0: Which way do you Which way to you Lord which way to you Which way do you Lord which way?
1: Welcome to all here at our Ridgely Road campus, and to our faithful family online throughout the world. If you're visiting or are new to Nativity, or are coming back after a while away, we are so glad to have you. As a sign of our appreciation for your presence, please stop by the concourse, uh, the welcome center on the concourse, and pick up a free gift for you. Or if you'd like to, or if you're online, just text the word "welcome" to 88877. 888 Next week, <clears throat> Tom Corkin will begin a five-week message series on the prophet Elijah. And that's going to take us right up to Labor Day weekend. We've been talking about the seven deadly sins. And last week's message, we looked at greed and envy. And how the two are connected. So, for example, your greed has you go out and buy a very fancy Italian automobile that you don't need. My envy wants one too, and because I can't get one, I start to bring you down, or speak ill of you, or say things that are not true. Today the final of our six-week series is on pride. You might say we saved uh, the worst to last, because pride is actually the worst of the seven capital sins. Can you guess why? Pride, according to the book of Sirach and St. Thomas Aquinas, is the root of all sins, and it certainly does have a pride of first place. Let's see what Sirach says about it. The beginning of pride of a man is to fall from God, because his heart is departed from him who made him. For pride is the beginning of all sin, the one who holds it shall be filled with maledictions and it shall ruin him in the end, ruin him in the end. So we see pride is not only losing our relationship with God, but it's also placing ourselves above others and even at its worst, placing ourselves above God. Imagine that. Did you know that pride was the first sin ever to be committed? It's true, the book of Revelation, Uh, We learn that pride entered the universe when a certain angel named Lucifer kind of decides that being second to God just isn't enough. And he declares, non serviam, I will not serve. That decision changed the course of human history forever. Lucifer's name means light bearer. And he was the greatest creature God ever created, second in glory only to God. Yet, he threw it away, all of it. In Paradise Lost, the British poet John Milton writes that for Satan, it was, quote, better to reign in hell than to serve in heaven. Unbelievable, isn't it? Well, pride has that power. Pride was also the first human sin, At the prompting of the envious Lucifer, who hates humans and sees how much God loves them, Lucifer kind of tempts Adam and Eve. He tempts them to elevate themselves to the status of gods, and as a result, bring pride and every other human sin into the world. Now, I'm not saying any of us is headed toward that sort of a downfall, but I've learned from my own prayer and reflection the degree to which I participate in this first and worst of vices. Yep, it's the worst because it's the root of all evil. It's the worst because it usurps God's proper place in the universe and in my life. Let's look at some more subtle forms of pride where we are placing ourselves on a higher pedestal than others. So a young salesperson regarding the negotiation of a new contract declares, this deal's a shoe in in, I've got it knocked, I'll be successful every time I act. Well, he falls flat on his face. Pride has caused the downfall. Or you're proud to be able to retire early and you have a friend who continues to work well after 65 because he doesn't have the means, the job, or the positions, you kind of share that pride with that person however subtle there lacks in each of us admitted a bit of pride where we honestly believe that we've lifted ourselves up by our own bootstraps scripture cites situations where pride is high and i call it high pride because this kind of pride leads to devastation and destruction let's take a look of high pride examples high Pride comes before destruction. Well, that's the effect of high pride. A haughty spirit before a fall. Or from Psalm 10, in his pride, the wicked man does not seek God in all his thoughts. There is no room for God. So God has now exited your life. And then another from Ezekiel. In the pride of your heart, you say, I am God. I sit on the throne of a God but you are a mere mortal, though you think you are as wise as God. All of these are examples of high pride. So, scripture also speaks of low pride. So I'm trying to distinguish high pride leads you to devastation, death, and all things are gone. But low pride is a little more subtle. Let's look at low pride, a few low pride scripture samples from Proverbs. When pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. Okay, disgrace. So it's low pride. Disgrace isn't death, it's not destruction, it's not the end. The next one from Isaiah. The arrogance of a man will be brought low and human pride humbled. The Lord alone will be exalted on that day. So arrogance, you're gonna just be brought low, low pride. And then finally there's Daniel. Daniel says, now I praise and exalt and glorify the king of heaven because everything he does is right and all his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. So all these are three examples of low pride. Now, what's interesting is, is folks are driven uh, by this. Uh, I just want you to look at these low pride examples again and see what's common to them. This is a repeat with humility comes wisdom human pride is humbled and one is able to be made humble so it's humility humility is the key to kind of lightening up on the pride and being a much more believer and follower of jesus christ folks who are driven by achievement goals and deceived into believing that nothing is beyond their grasp, need to temper their their hubris by reflecting upon their personal inadequacies. On the other hand, what is needed is to find a proper balance between excessive confidence and personal inadequacies. A sense of excessive confidence and a sense of impotence. The scholar, the executive, the homemaker who think too highly of themselves are not open to constructive criticism, or to learning more of the wisdom and experience of others. Lest any of us exclude ourselves from this inclination, Thomas Aquinas, the saint, delineates four kinds of pride. So this is kind of a sampling of where you might be or what you might own regarding your own pride. The first person is the one who says, I'm the cause of my achievements and talents, I'm the one So this may be boasting of sports, musical skills, areas of knowledge, the size of our house. These are all causes that say I've achieved it through my own talent and my own good works. The second of the four is my achievements and talents come from God. Well, at least we're acknowledging God here. And here's the problem. I deserve them. For example, my station in life, my elevated last name, my background the blessings of my family and career. I deserve them, even if I acknowledge God has given them to me. A third kind of pride Aquinas speaks of is a boast of qualities I don't even have. Now, in case you want to exclude yourself from this, think of the highly polished or untrue version of you on Facebook. (laughs) Enough said? Okay. I stand accused or the face you put on in public, and the self that friends and family really know you to be. Yeah. And then the fourth is, I look down on those who lack the qualities I have. This is usually inflated statements about yourself, just to kind of get attention, or to show your uniqueness. So just to put them all together, four types of pride, Thomas Aquinas. I'm the cause of my pride. I deserve them even though god gave them to me i don't have them but i'm going to make you think i do or i look down on others so those are the four pride i'm not going to ask for a show of hands of who's got what here but pride has been called, has been called the mother and the queen of all the vices by john milton again this 17th century british poet what is unique about pride is that this is important. We are unaware how prideful we may be. We may be we tend to know when we are angry, that's easy. We know when we are greedy, that's easy, I'm stuffed. We know when we're envious, and so on, but you don't know when you're prideful. Unlike the other six, when our pride is pointed out to us, we often don't even realize it. It has caught us already, but in its grip. So the question is, how do you find out where you are with pride, because you're often blind to it. It often takes such a, like a dramatic reversal or an upset or a humbling experience to remind us, Nicholas, you share with the rest of humanity, a life that includes pain and sorrow and sickness, and yes, one day, even death. Your critics, and here's key, your critics are the best resource you have see how prideful you are. So I'd like to do a little exercise for you. Uh, Imagine someone who's critical of you. Three come up immediately in my mind. (laughs) Okay. And nobody here, by the way, just, and it's not Father White either. So there. Uh, So three people, I can see them. So just think a moment, three people who are kind of uh, not close to you and often will speak ill of you. And a little, the exercise is this: Imagine the person, and what 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 might they say about you? How might they describe you to others behind your back? How might they describe you to others behind your back? So I'm going to give you 12 adjectives, and you can at least choose a couple of them, I'm sure. So when P, somebody be somebody who's your adversary or enemy or whatever, it looks, doesn't look well upon you. They're describing you to someone else. Boy, is she, is he arrogant. Ooh, I guess she was on that one. Brazen, contemptuous, conceited. I can't see you, so you're safe. Egocentric, haughty, insolent, narcissistic. Hmm. Presumptuous, rude unmannerly vain. Well, I'd be embarrassed to share the ones I chose for myself that somebody else would say about me. But excessive pride, let's call it pridefulness, can be very destructive for families and friends as well as in the workplace. In my own family, there's a parent in my family who's lost a relationship with their adult child because of pride. The pride of having to be right. It happened last Thanksgiving at the, at the table. The pride of having to be in control. The priding of having to win an argument. Is losing the relationship of a daughter or son worth that? I don't think so. The virtue to combat pride, as you might guess from the scripture we looked at, is humility. Humility is defined as, a modest or low view of one's own importance. Or how about C.S. Lewis's definition, it's my favorite. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. Let me quickly say that a low view doesn't mean I can't be proud of a son or daughter or of a goal that I've achieved. The sin of pride begins with the absence of humility. Or another way of saying it is, the source of pride is a lack of humility. So, any and all of our achievements, while they seem to appear to be primarily the result of our own efforts, or the person of faith attributes them, on the contrary, to God, to God's will, to God's goodness, to God's grace. When Jesus instructed his disciples to imitate him, remember what he said? Learn from me, for I am meek and humble, and you will find rest in your souls. This is Jesus, the Son of God, espousing humility in itself and in us as his followers. And by the very fact saying that, he ensconces humility as a great ornament, the jewel in the center of our faith and purely from a physiological point of view, pride will sap you of your energy. Humility will restore it. I know, it's my story. So, I'd like you to look at this little schematic. This is a yardstick. And you can be at one end or the other, or somewhere in between. the, The whole idea is how do you go from there to here? How do you go from there to here? Well, you do it by decreasing your pride and raising your humility. Let's talk a little bit more about this. One end being high pride, low humility. The other end, low pride, high humility. At the left here, low pride, we end, at this end, we're able to take some pride in our accomplishments, acknowledging our efforts and God's grace, um, things like giving birth to a child, fulfilling a task, achieving a position of note. Challenging someone to be proud here can be a good thing. Of course, on this side of the end of the yardstick, humility is at work. Humility is a powerful vice that tames the pride and helps you recognize the reality of God's presence in your life, and you're not dethroning God. You can be humble, without feeling inferior because you know it's God's working in and through you. What makes life thrilling for me is to discover through humility my role in God's plan. The one who is successful in any way does become does not become enamored of the praise and recognition they receive. They don't generalize success into a general feeling of superiority over others. I find that making use of regular confession, the sacrament of confession, helps me be aware of my shortcomings and the dangerous swelling of my self-ego. In confessing my sins, our shameful inclination to pride is exposed for what it is, and often this alone suffices to kind of set me on a path to humility. The person on the right, on the other hand, rationalizes their faults, since to acknowledge them would threaten their sense of superiority. The humble person, on the other hand, readily admits guilt and patiently listens to the responses and the reproofs and the anger even of their detractors and their enemies. Yes, once again, I need to stress that our enemies, our detractors, are often of great resource to us in exposing our faults. Actually, they're better than the kind and soothing words of a friend or family member. I want to conclude on a personal note by way of a bit of a confession. During the message series uh, earlier this year on dangerous prayers, I prayed for humility. Little did I know at the time how my prayer would be answered. Every time I found myself being humbled, I learned at a deeper level how high on the yardstick I was regarding pride and humility. How my prayer was answered was that I was able to name and claim each humbling experience, which I used to deny. I could now own it, but not only that, my prayer was being answered. I was being humbled and I could do it. It It's kind of like grace was giving me the muscle to say, yeah, yeah, I am proud. And now I want to be humble myself and accept this. My prayer was being answered. Honestly, and I continue to this day not to be overly proud of my speech or sharing of my achievements, but to accept the latter humbly. I'm loving life at this end of the yardstick. And that's how you move through this. It's not going to happen all at once. not going to happen. So to help you do it, move from that end to this end. To help you do it, I'd offer you a bit of homework. Let's call it heart work. First. Pray for humility. Second, have your antennae up for prideful feelings. And when you notice them, realize that your prayer is actually being answered. Third, when you notice your prideful feelings, back off and call humility to the rescue. It worked for me. It can work for you. To conclude, it's not a question of Am I as proud as Lucifer or Adam and Eve? But instead, it's about your answer to Jesus's question, and I'll put it straight to each of you. Nicholas, Bill, Mary, Bob, Sally, where are you with regard to this question? Whom do you serve, yourself or God? And it's where do I fall on the pride humility yardstick So I'd like to suggest that every time you see a yardstick or a ruler or a tape measure, think of it, it's an opportunity to ask, where do I stand? And doing that to just accept with humility, the pride you have. Let us pray. Gracious God, whom we call father and creator. We are convicted, yes, guilty of pride in its many forms. And so with many instances cited, we are now ready to admit guilty as charged. Guilty of believing that our achievements and skills and knowledge and success are our own doing. Guilty of thinking that all we have received from your bounty is deserved. Guilty of spouting achievements that are really not our own guilty of looking down on those who lack the gifts we've received. Enough on the guilt, O gracious God, for you are more a God of compassion and mercy than you are a God of judgment and punishment. So give us, give me the strength and courage today to place you squarely as the King of my heart, the Lord of my life, and to testify to your grace so generously operative within us. How I love what you are doing in and through me to be the humble servant to which Jesus, your son, has called me. We pray in his name. Amen.